Welcome to episode six of Kept Secrets. I am your host, Nikki Rothrock. This podcast is a way that I try and help anyone who has experienced childhood trauma. The title of today's podcast is With a Heavy Heart, I Finally Tell Someone. Content of today's podcast will discuss childhood sexual abuse, so listener discretion is advised. Thank you for coming back. This is episode six. I'm super excited. Now, this episode will, it it won't be an exciting episode. It probably won't be too long of an episode, but it will give you a little bit of an idea of how I disclosed the abuse to someone very close to me and how they responded. So that's kind of where I want you guys to pay attention or what I would like for you to get out of this message. So blog, this blog was written and sometime in 2012, there's not a date on it. Um, so I'm not exactly sure, but there is a little bit of, um, a message before the actual message. So I'm going to read that too. Okay. With a heavy heart, I finally tell someone. Here is a section that was written a few months ago. It talks about feelings of panic when a victim discloses abuse to someone else. Talking about it is usually very difficult for the victim. So if you take anything away from reading this reading today, please don't take something a child or teen tells you lightly. You have no idea how much courage they have had in the moment that they share their dark secret with you. The next step, believe them. So many times a child will try to tell a parent, a teacher, a friend, or another adult about the abuse that they've experienced only not to be, not to be believed. The only, man, let me start over. (laughs) That only intensifies the trauma for them because that means that they would have to find the courage again to tell someone else who will believe them. Also, it's important to note that a child might recant their story or take their, you know, take it back as if they were lying after they are faced with telling someone. They do this because that they fear that they will get into trouble for talking about the abuse. If you find yourself in a situation where a child is telling you their secret, please reassure them that they will not get into trouble. I can't tell you how many times I started to tell someone about the abuse that I experienced only to get in trouble So I just cut my mouth shut and the abuse continued for many more years. Here is my experience disclosing my abuse to someone who believed me and helped me get through the situation with a whole lot of love and support. Okay, disclosure to Ryan in October of 1994. I was 16 years old. As I look back and I think about how I was able to finally tell my story, I am once again grateful to Ryan for being such a loving and compassionate man. I was 15 and he was 21. But don't freak out. My mom knew and approved of the relationship even before finding out any of this. He was once a very good friend to Tom. So this is kind of news. So this kind of news is not easy for one to hear. It was a Thursday night and grandpa was taking my brother Jake and I out for pizza at the local Pizza King. Mom was working late or bowling. I can't honestly remember. Our telephone had been disconnected because we didn't pay the bill. This was nothing new for us. It seems that everyone I wanted to call was long distance and the bill climbed each month. On this Thursday evening, 
I was full of anxiety. At the time, it felt like if I didn't tell Ryan my secret, I was going to explode into a million pieces. I called his house in Indianapolis, hoping to get in touch with one of his roommates, Kyle or Tony, since Ryan was working second shift and I knew he wouldn't be home. I knew that night when Ryan was off of work, Kyle would drive him to my house about 45 minutes away and leave him for the weekend and mom would drive him home on Sunday. I dreaded Sundays when he had to go back home. It felt like he was leaving me forever, even though it would only be for a week or so until I would get to see him again. I was sitting down to eat dinner and told my grandfather that I had to make a phone call. Not planning to be gone more than five or ten minutes, he said, okay. I went to the payphone outside the restaurant and dialed Ryan's phone number. Kyle answered on the second ring. Kyle, it's Nikki. Is Ryan home by chance? I asked. No, he's working, Kyle replied. Well... Are you going to bring him up to my house tonight after work? I have something really important that I need to tell him. I really need to tell him right now, I said to Kyle with a pressing tone. Yeah, I'm bringing him up tonight when he gets off work. Are you okay? You sound like something is wrong. Kyle could sense my anxiety. No, I'm not okay. I need to talk to Ryan as soon as possible. I have something I need to tell him right away. I said again in an urgent tone. Did someone hurt you, Nikki? You can tell me. Kyle asked me in a concerned tone, searching for answers. Why would you ask me that? What are you talking about? Do you know something? I asked, wondering why this was his first question to me. You just seem like you've been hurt. You can tell me. Did someone hurt you? Who was it? Kyle seemed to have a clue as to what I was trying to tell Ryan, but he wouldn't press too much or give too much information. Yes, now please don't forget to tell Ryan that I called. I said to him, trying to make sure he didn't forget. Who was it, Nikki? If I give you his name or a name, will you tell me? Kyle asked me as he seemed to be concerned. No, I'd rather not. I need to talk to Ryan and I need to tell him about it. I began to panic inside. Not being able to tell Ryan at this very moment is literally killing me inside. I wasn't sure how the rest of my... Of my night was going to go if I couldn't tell him my deep, dark, dirty secret. Was it a man or a woman? Kyle asked, trying to drag it out of me a little bit at a time. A man? I said quickly. Okay, what did he do to you? Did he physically hurt you? He asks. Yes, Kyle, he did. I say to him in an elevated tone of voice. Who was it? Was it John? Kyle asked me. I began to really stir inside because a man named John had hurt me in the past, but it wasn't what I was talking about. I was talking about Tom. John? How do you know anything about a John? No, it wasn't him, by the way. I began to really start to freak out. How did he know anything about John raping me when I was 12? I haven't told anyone about him. I'm just throwing out names. That's all. So tell me who hurt you, Nikki. He asked me in a tender voice. I'll give you initials. Will you tell me if I guess it? I can't tell you, Kyle. I have to tell Ryan. Can you just make sure he gets to me tonight, please? I begin to choke up with emotion and anxiety. Kyle names off a couple random initials, and they were all wrong until he said, TB. I stopped, and he asked me again, are his initials TB? You can tell me. Quietly, I said, 
Yes. What did he do to you? Kyle asked me in a quiet voice. I can't tell you. I have to go. My grandpa's coming and we have to go home. Will you please tell Ryan I need to talk to him really bad when he gets here tonight? I'm rushing to hang up the phone because I've said too much. Okay, I'll tell him when I see him later, he said. Thanks, I'll talk to you later. I hung up the phone after he said goodbye. I got into my grandpa's car and we went home. I missed dinner and it didn't even matter because I was so full of anxiety, anger, and sadness that I didn't want to go. I just wanted to go home and go to my room and wait for Ryan. Later that night, Ryan finally showed up at my house. He crawled into bed and held me until he fell asleep. I acted like I was sleeping so I wouldn't have to talk to him about anything. I had to get up early and go to school. The next day I went to school and during lunch, three other girls and I decided to go to Tipton and eat McDonald's. We weren't planning on coming back, but halfway through lunch, one girl got an attack of, a con- of her conscience and made us go back. Needless to say, on Monday, we were going to be in big trouble for skipping class. I came home from school on Friday, and Ryan was waiting for me, asleep in my room. I got off the bus, and I ran inside the house and up to my room. I was so happy that he was there. I just wanted to be close to him. I needed to feel comfort, the comfort of his arms around me. Just being in the same room with him makes me feel comfort that I have never felt before. I leaned down and gave him a kiss, waking him up. I crawled into bed, and he wrapped his arms around me and said hello. My bed is in the corner of my room where it was the last time that Tom came into my room, back in June. The bed is sitting close to the wall, and Ryan has his back to the wall, and I have my back nuzzled against his body. Things are eerily quiet today as I'm terrified that he's going to ask me about the frantic phone call that I made to Kyle last night. So I choose not to say anything, but just enjoy the, enjoy the feelings of his arms around me. I know I'm safe right now at this very moment. Tom and John and all of the other demons from my past can't get to me right now, and I want to keep it this way forever. How was your day today? He asked as he started to wake up. It was fine, I replied, (laughs) trying not to start a conversation with him. Things were quiet for a little while, and then he starts the conversation that was literally going to change my life. So, Kyle said that you called last night, and you were in a panic because someone hurt you. He said that he was concerned. Yeah, it's no big deal. I'm fine now, I said to him, trying to avoid this conversation because I'm scared that he's going to think differently differently of me after he finds out what I've been hiding from from him for six months and everyone else for more than six years. Well, tell me what happened, he said as he pulls me closer and adjusts his position to get more comfortable. I'm thinking to myself, just stop talking about this. I can't tell you. I can't tell anyone. If I do, everyone will think differently of me and no one will like me, especially you. Oh, it's no big deal. I don't really want to talk about it now, I said, trying to avoid him further. If someone hurt you, I want to know about it, he said, making my heart melt into a puddle. Kyle said that his initials were TB. Oh, shit. He totally knows that it was Tom who hurt me. What do I do to make this conversation stop right now? I'm thinking to myself as I lay there, trying not to move, even though my heart is about to leap out of my chest and smash into the wall across the room. As I lay there with my back to the only man who has never hurt me, I feel myself start to get emotional out of fear that Ryan will no longer want anything to do with me after I tell him my story. He thinks 
or he asks me again, and that I tell him what happened. Who hurt you? And if it was who I think it was, how did he hurt you? He asked me softly. I became nervous because I knew this would really change things for me and Ryan. You're right. It's who you think it was who hurt me, I said in a quiet voice. What did he do to you? Ryan asked. What do you think he did? I asked him in an inquisitive way. Well, you tell me, he said. With a deep breath and a heavy heart, I began to open up to Ryan about my my life before him. You name it, and he did it to me, I started to say. We laid in bed, and I finally opened up to him about about many years of sexual abuse that I endured at the hands of my mother's husband and Ryan's friend. I can't look at Ryan, so he just continues to hold me where we lay in bed. He asks questions, and I offer my answers to him. I can feel him becoming emotional as he pulls me closer to him. We lay there talking for a couple of uninterrupted hours until my mom comes home from work. Tonight, we're going to rock and roll at the local bowling alley in town. We decide to get up, and I go downstairs and take a shower before we go. I walk downstairs knowing that my life has changed. The last thing Ryan and I talked about before I went to take a shower was the fact that I need to tell my mom. He keeps urging me to tell her. I can't tell her this. It would kill her. Promise me you won't tell her. Promise me, I said to him, afraid that he may tell her, and then things would really become a huge mess. I won't tell her, but you have to eventually tell her. She needs to know, he said to me. No, I can't ever tell her this. I kiss him, and I leave the room to get ready to go bowling. When I come back into my room, we pass in the hall as he heads to take a shower too. I walk into my room and I find a handwritten letter from him. In this letter, he thanks me for telling him what has been bothering me for so long. He goes on to tell me how much he loves me and that he is there for me no matter what happens. I sit on the edge of my bed and I cry. How did I get so lucky to find this man who's so sweet and compassionate with me? That is the end of that blog entry. I got a little emotional there at the end. Um, Some of the things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, One was the phone call and what I later found out. I found out that Ryan called into work that night. And Ryan was in the other room when I was talking to Kyle on the phone. So that is how Kyle was able to guess the initials of Tom. And I was freaking out thinking that Kyle knew something when really it was just Ryan in the next room. Later, I asked Ryan, (laughs) I asked him why he didn't just pick up the phone. And apparently it was because him and his roommates were having a video game marathon and he, quote unquote, was sick and didn't want to go to work. Excuse me. So <clears throat> he came up at his normal time on the weekend. <clears throat> and it was pretty common when Rick and, I mean, not, I don't even know where that name came from. When Ryan and I were together, um, for him to uh, come up after work on late, late Thursday night. And he would sleep during the day when I was gone and then on Friday. And then when I would get home, typically we would have a couple hours to hang out and talk before my mom would get home from work. 
she would get home from work. We would typically go out to dinner at Wendy's or McDonald's or something. And then we would go to the bowling alley. And that's where Ryan and I spent a majority of our time. Um, then we would come back to my house and he would literally stay in my room with me. Now, a lot of parents would not agree with this and myself being one, um, I would never let my 16 year old daughter have a, uh, shared room with her 20 something year old boyfriend. Now, that being said, the situation that I was in was a little bit different. It wasn't really different, but it was at the time. Um, Ryan was a friend of the family, and mom trusted that we were making good choices. Uh, we were not making the best of choices because we were young and we really liked each other a lot. Um, so we spent a lot of time together on the weekends, and I cherished the times that I got to spend with him. I felt safe. I felt protected. I felt loved. I felt attractive, which was new. Um, I, I felt like he loved me. And it was like a breath of fresh air going from Tom and being under his thumb and his control all of the time to being with someone who I could kiss in public or I could hold his hand in front of my mom and it wouldn't be weird. Um, I could, I could just hang out with him and be free. And there was a lot of kissing. That is one thing I remember about, uh, Ryan and I in the beginning. I remember a lot of kissing. I was so in love with him. Now I say that it was love now, but a few years ago when I was in treatment, um, I realized that I was transferring my codependency from Tom to Ryan. And my now I'm not discounting my feelings for Ryan because that I feel like that was very real for me. Um, but my codependency was so uh intense with him to the point that I felt like I needed to talk to him daily. I felt like I needed to know what he was doing and he needed to know what I was doing. And I trusted him. Um, There are so many things that I found out later um, after I disclosed the abuse to Ryan. Um, Backing up a little bit, I I talked about in, in my last podcast about my mom um, getting divorce papers the same day that I told her about the abuse. So Tom left my mom in June of 1994. Um, he just came, she came home from work, um, doing one of her morning paper routes and she found that all of his things were gone. Now, as lame as this sounds, when I say it, she knew that he was gone because (laughs) He took his suit <laughs> and his bowling trophies and his race car trophy trophies. That's how she knew he was gone. Not because his clothes were gone. Not because, you know, he left a note that said, see ya. Not, not because of that. She, she knew he was gone because he took his suit 
and he took his trophies and awards. Um, so for a while, we didn't know where he went after he left. Um, but I found out after talking to Ryan that Tom had been seeing another woman in town and Ryan at the time didn't have a vehicle of his own. So Tom would let Ryan use his vehicle and Ryan would take Tom to this woman's house in town, drop him off, go run his errands for whatever he needed to do or go shopping, go to the laundromat, whatever. And then he would go back and pick up Tom and then they would go home to where we lived with my mom. Now at that time when, when Tom was living in the home, Ryan and I were not interested in each other so much. Um, I had a crush on him because I've always, I have always thought he was an attractive person. Um, and so I, I was like, I mean, I was a teenager and the hormones were raging and I was like, Ooh, he's cute. But when Tom lived in the house, I was not allowed to feel that way because that it was just not allowed. So after, after Tom left, um, that's when I was able to open up to Ryan more and it became a very intense relationship. And my mom, and this is something that, that Ryan and I discussed later. My mom was very quick to let Ryan deal with me. Um, basically I felt like after talking about it as I, when I got older, I felt like, um, she was just handing me off to him like she did when I was a kid. Let, you know, let him take care of me because she doesn't have time to do it. Um, so in doing that, at the time I didn't realize that's what was happening. But looking back, um, it was very much happening. Um, I, sorry, I keep saying um, trying to put my thoughts together. So... Uh, Ryan and I became, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a funny story. So Tom left us on a Sunday in June of 1994 and like Tuesday, Ryan shows up at our house and he's like, Hey, um, is it still okay if I stay here? He had no idea that, that Tom had left. So <laughs> my mom was like, well, you don't really have anywhere else to go. So sure you can still stay here, but we don't know where Tom is. Do you? He's like, maybe, but I'm not really sure. And he kind of left it alone. He didn't really tell my mom anything. So at that point, it feels like Ryan maybe chose sides a little bit. He chose to stay with my mother, my brother and I, because he literally didn't have anywhere else to go. Like he could have lived with his dad, but his dad was uh, kind of overbearing about things. And um, 
Later, I found out that he liked me as well. So he wanted to hang out with me. And it wasn't in a creepy way. It was just, we laughed a lot together. Like when I was around, there was a lot of laughing. So Tom left on a Tuesday or Sunday. Ryan came back on Tuesday. And we hung out watching, I can't tell you how many times, we watched Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Son-in-Law with Polly Shore, Dumb and Dumber. Um, we watched so many of these 90s movies that I just fell in love with. And if anybody knows me, they know that Jim Carrey, was, he was my favorite actor for a very, 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 very long time. Um I still think he's a funny guy. I think his politics are a little lame, but he's funny. So anyway, um, Ryan and I hung out, stayed up late because it was summertime. We didn't have, I didn't have to go to bed early, go to school. I was getting ready to go into my sophomore year of high school. Um, so we started hanging out, watching movies and we would go outside because we lived in the country and You know, mom would be asleep and my brother would be playing video games or I don't even know what he was doing then. But this one particular night, that same week, (laughs) we're standing outside and Ryan is telling me a story about this girl that he likes. And he's like, so I met this girl and she's cute and she's funny and I'm really thinking about asking her out and... I was so freaking jealous. I wanted to just run away and hide. I was like, why is he telling me this? This is bullshit. Like I was really jealous. So he's, he said something about, um, uh, like he, he, he liked this girl and I was like, well, maybe you just need to ask her out. And he's like, I thought I just did. And I was like, what? What kind of mind game is this guy do? Like, I thought he was basically making fun of me. So a small backstory on that is I always, like, Tom would always tell me things, you know, like, no other man is going to want you. Um, Nobody's going to want to be with you. I don't even remember why he would say that, like, what his Like at the moment, I don't know why he would say that. So I always felt like I was never going to have a boyfriend and I was never going to get married. And I was, I was still kind of wondering if Tom was going to come back um, because my mother was devastated. So she was trying to get him to come back and I'm like, oh Lord, please do not let this man come back. Like I, I was in a very like back and forth stage. So Excuse me. So um, I felt like Ryan was trying to get something, excuse me, that he was trying to get something out of me. And by saying that he wanted me to be his girlfriend, I thought, oh, well, he just wants what every other guy I've ever known wants. And so I was like, no, I don't, you know, I... That was my thinking error. Sorry, my dog's going to start barking. That was my thinking error um, because of the trauma. So 
he asked me to be his girlfriend and I was like, sure, why not? (laughs) You know, like very standoffish. And so I, we went on about our week and I literally avoided him for three days. I would go in my room and shut the door. Like I wouldn't come downstairs in the evening and talk to him. And I was just like, I can't face this guy because, you know, he's, he's going to want to use me the way that everyone else, blah, blah, blah. And so like late in the weekend, he comes up to me and he's like, where have you been? And I was like, in my room, like figured you just wanted to be left alone. And he's like, I asked you out. And I was like, I thought you were kidding. He's like, no. He's like, you know, I asked you out and you avoid me for three days. Why? And I was like, I don't know. I thought you were kidding. And he was like, no, not kidding. I was like, all right, I got a boyfriend. Like I was super stoked. So that was how he asked me out. And I avoided him. (laughs) So he knew a lot about what was going on behind the scenes with uh, Tom and his girlfriend who later became his wife. Um, That woman made my life hell. And by hell, I mean, she, she would like to torment me at the bowling alley. And that's another thing. We'll talk about that later when, um, I go down that road, but uh, she just would say horrible things out loud to me, at me, and really try to bring me down in front of other people. So um, one other thing I wanted to talk about was after I, okay, so after I told Ryan about the abuse, so Ryan and I got together in June. I just want to give you, keep you up on the timeline. We got together in June, and in October was when I felt like telling him about the abuse. Now, my mind at the time, so I was 16 at this time because actually when I was dating him, I was 16 and he was 21. So I was 16, and that in Indiana at the time was legal age of consent, according to the prosecutor, um, because it was discussed. So anyway, um, in October, when I told Ryan about the abuse, he kept pushing me to tell my mom. I was like, no, no, no. Well, the day after I told him, um, we spent the weekend together, then he went home on Sunday and I just felt antsy. Like I felt like I I just wanted to get in trouble and I don't know why. I felt like I was just itching to get into some trouble. And so that Monday I go to school and a girl and a couple, there were four of us total. We left class and we went out to the car and we drove up to the next town or a couple towns up. It was called Tipton. Um... And there was a McDonald's there, and we I remember us sitting there having lunch, and one of the girls, who happened to be the driver, was like, oh, we better go back. We got to go back. And I was like, no, we can't go back. Then they'll definitely know that all four of us skipped. And she's like, oh, we're going to go back. So we go back and go to class. And then the next day, we get in trouble, and we get, um, what they call it, 
TOR, I think, or in, in school suspension. So we are, they literally put all four of us in the same in school suspension room, which was dumb. So that day, it was Tuesday, I was being a little asshole. <laughs> I, I brought in magazines, I was bouncing my checkbook, I was just really, and I'm a talker, obviously. Even back then, I was just like, blah, 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 all the time getting in trouble for talking. But um, so I got in trouble because I got a little smarty with uh, the the in-school suspension monitor lady. And I got suspended for three days for mouthing off. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was suspended from school. Wednesday... I was like, I don't want to sit at home all day. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to sit at home all day. So I went on the paper route with my mom. And for some reason, that day, I decided was a good time to tell her. We went to McDonald's. I got chicken nuggets. I was excited about that because I didn't have to sit at home (laughs) and eat whatever peanut butter and jelly we had at home. So I, I bring it up to her. We have, I, it was four or five hours on this paper out where I was talking to her about everything. Now she didn't really have much of an angry response. It was more of a sad response, I guess. Um, and we talked, I talked about that in either my last podcast or the one before about her reaction. And so we go home And I called Ryan and I told him, I was like, I told my mom and he's like, okay, well, I'll be up tomorrow night and we'll make a plan. And I was like, okay, fine. So my biggest fear at the time was Tom finding out that I had told them because I was afraid. I didn't know what he was going to say, what he was going to do. Was he going to hurt me? Like, I didn't know. Looking back now, I'm like, whoa, there's no way he could have hurt me physically because he was a tiny little man. And, you know, I probably had 100 pounds on him. So I'm just saying I probably could have defended myself. And I'm pretty sure that Ryan would have kicked his ass because Ryan was so pissed at this time um, after he found out that a man that he considered his friend was a child molester. Uh, And he hurt a girl that, Ryan came to really care for so and this was a few months into our relationship so Ryan comes up and I can remember the four of us my mom myself Ryan and my brother and I can remember the four of us sitting talking about what we were going to do how we were going to keep this from getting out well My dog's getting ready to go nuts because he's trying to get my other dog to bark and play. So I apologize. Um, Archie. Sorry. (laughs) So um, when I had told my mom about the abuse, literally the very next day, she went to the police station and she went to the school and she told uh, the guidance counselor, what was going on, and that I wouldn't be back in on Monday because I had an appointment with the police station to give my deposition. So I did that, and it took four hours. 
I know that they had to change the cassette tape in the recorder. Um, and I think it's like an hour on each side of the cassette. So they had to change it. Uh, the, the talk was, it was pretty intense because, but I felt like a weight had been lifted. Archie. Oh my gosh. They're going to bark at the cat. Get out. Oh my gosh. It's like a mini zoo in here. So the cat likes to come out and torment the puppy. And then the puppy likes to torment the big dog. Sorry. I had to chase the cat out of the room. So we, I was afraid that Tom was going to come after me because I knew how big of a deal this was. And it was probably a month later Ryan and I, I remember this night very vividly. Ryan and I went to Westfield, which is a small town just west haha, of where we lived. So we went and I remember buying this CD. It was called, Con it was by Concrete Blonde, I think. And I was super excited about it. And we got home. The phone was ringing when we got home. Mom picked up the phone, which I guess at this time we had a phone because I was still talking to Ryan at, when he was at home and I was at home. So she's like, I don't know. Like I could hear her. And she was so aggravated with this phone call. She hangs up and she's like, why the hell would you tell anybody what's going on? I was like, what are you talking about? Well, I mentioned something about this situation to a guy at the bowling alley when I was working because I worked in the cafe and he blabbed it to Tom. Tom called my mom and was like, it didn't happen. She's just making things up. She's just being a teenager and blah, blah, blah. Well, my mom knew what the truth was because I told her and he was just trying to save his ass at the time. Well, mom played it off. She was so mad at me. Ryan was livid with me because I even talked to this other guy about it because the other guy was a creep. Later find out that guy got arrested for molesting his girlfriend's sister. Ugh. This bowling alley felt like a cesspool of pedophiles and creepers. Like, it just seemed like the people that Tom hung out with. You know, on it, I could count at least five people, five men who he was friends with, who also got in trouble, legal trouble for abusing another, a child. Ugh, it's so frustrating. So um, my mom was able to play that off. And we didn't, Ryan and I got into a really bad argument. And I felt completely freaked out because I was afraid he was going to leave. And... I didn't know what I was going to do. So he didn't leave. We um, remained together through that summer. We remained together the following year. Tom went. We went to court. Court kept getting continued, continued, continued. And we ended up going to court in May of 96. And that was, it was May 16th of 96. 
Tom pled guilty to a very small amount of charges. Later, I found out that the prosecutor accepted a plea agreement because he was afraid of the damage. (laughs) The damage this would do to me as a woman, a young woman. He didn't want to put me through that because lawyers are date they're they're mean and he was afraid that uh I wouldn't be able to handle trials. So he thought a conviction is a conviction. He's admitted to it. He'll go to jail. He'll get probation. And the best part is he would leave me alone. Um Ryan and I stayed together through that. Ryan went to court with me that day. His mother was there. My dad was there. They actually let my dad out of the mental hospital to go. And I feel horrible saying that because he shouldn't have. But he wanted to be there for me. And my mom was there. I don't remember if Jake went, my brother. I don't remember if he was there. I don't think he was. And then there were two other people that were there for me. It was an older lady and her daughter who was older. She used to babysit for me. Distant relative of my brother's dad's or something. But that was it. Oh, and Beth was there. She came because she had to testify. But I didn't have any friends or family come to that trial. And if you look at the other side of the room, where Tom's family was, he had what the newspaper described as a parade of character witnesses. He had a priest who was in his full priest uniform from his church come in and talk about how wonderful he was and how he was, he had spent one or two, um, what you call like sessions together talking about what he had done. Um, lots of people from the bowling alley, people that he worked with. One guy (laughs) who later went to jail for molesting his own stepdaughter, um, was also a character witness for Tom. I'm going to beat you up. My dog likes to chew on my shoe. So that I will give more information on in another podcast because I feel like the court stuff really is something that we need to talk about. Um, my, I'm going to move forward. The third, my dog is freaking out. My third um, talking point is the fact that Ryan believed me. Now, the, I only have a couple more minutes, but the fact that he let me talk, he asked me questions. They were not leading questions. He asked me questions. I answered him, and he still loved me after that. And I was really afraid that after he found that out, he was going to leave. But he believed me, and he encouraged me to tell my mom, and he, and he protected me. I felt so incredibly safe with him. When he was gone, like he had moved to Indianapolis with Kyle and Tony. And it wasn't long after that, that he moved back into our home, into our house, because he wanted to be with me. Now, like I said before, the codependency was really strong at this point because um, I I was scared, but yet he made me feel safe. So I just transferred that codependency from Tom to Ryan. That's all I'm going to say about that part. But um, the fact that he believed me and he was a safe place for me. Now, I didn't really go into a lot of detail about 
certain things about the abuse. <clears throat> because the, the whole reason I even told Ryan about it was because I felt guilty. Because I loved him very, I mean, in my own 16-year-old way. I loved him and I felt like this secret was something that I couldn't keep from him. Because it was such a big secret. So that's why I told him. It wasn't because I was angry about Tom. It wasn't because I wanted him to go to jail. It was because I loved Ryan and I wanted him to know everything about me. So a lot, you know, a lot of people might think that I only, my mom only turned him in because she wanted to get back at him. Now I can't, I can't speak for her and she can't speak for herself now, but I like to believe, I like to trust what she told me that she wouldn't have been able to live with herself had she not gone to the police. I don't know if that's really true. I don't know. But Ryan was my safe place. And after he watched me go through a very bad self-destructive phase. And it almost happened immediately after Tom went to jail because the day of his sentencing hearing which was the day that the parade of people came in and, and everybody was there. The judge sentenced him and I watched, I stayed in that courtroom and I watched them handcuff Tom and I watched him say goodbye to his new wife at the time. And I watched them take him out of that courtroom. Something inside of me that day, I don't, I don't know if I would say that it was, satisfied but something broke and by that I mean I went into this self-loathing spiral of self-destruction I I can't really give you a lot of details because I don't really remember a lot of that time I do but I don't um I didn't see it at the time as self-destruction but Tom went to jail in May uh, Ryan and I celebrated our two-year anniversary on June in June of two thousand or nineteen ninety-six. Sorry, Ryan and I broke up in July of nineteen ninety-six. I was broken, broken to the core. I was broken because someone that I loved so much chose to walk away from me after he said he wouldn't. I was broken because I didn't have anybody. I didn't have anybody at that time. Ryan would not, he didn't want to speak to me because he said I, he couldn't watch the self-destruction. Now, as a grown-up, in my mind, I'm like, dude, you promised that you would stay with me. And you left. You abandoned me just like Tom. You abandoned me just like my dad at the time. I felt like dad had abandoned me because, you know, he was dealing with his own stuff. So he didn't abandon me. But it was very hard. Now, I do not put Ryan and Tom in the same category of anything else except feeling abandoned. Um, and I think I'm going to stop here because... One, I'm almost out of time. And two, I could go on another hour rant about 
how things happened after Ryan and I broke up. So I'm going to stop and I think, I don't know what I'm going to talk about next week. I really had no plans in talking about this this week, but as I was thinking about it today, I was like, you know, I think I need to go back and I need to start somewhere so that people understand. So I appreciate you listening and don't forget that I have a group on Facebook called Kept Secrets, um, a podcast about childhood trauma or overcoming childhood trauma, sorry. If you know anybody that could benefit from these conversations, I just ask you to add them to the group or tell them about the podcast. Um, I don't have to be friends with these people. I just want to help. So I hope that you have a good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, and make good choices. And until next time.